Hello everyone, this is Alex Trumbull from The Alex Trumbull Show, and I'm again excited and so thankful that you are joining me here to have this great conversation with a phenomenal leader. See, today we have with us Admiral Sandy Stowes. See, Admiral Sandy Stowes, if I can just be honest, it's freaking awesome. <laughs> and you're going to see that when you start listening to this session. Um, she is amazing. She is hilarious. And we really do some ripping off of each other. And it's just amazing. So I'm going to preface this just FYI. She's awesome. But I do wanted to share a little bit about her background so you understand the caliber of leader she is and really the groundbreaking accomplishments that she's achieved. See, over her 40-year career within the U.S. Coast Guard, she has done some amazing things that have resulted in her being the first woman to command an icebreaker on the Great Lakes. She was then the first woman to be assigned as the Deputy Commandant for Mission Support, directing one of the Coast Guard's largest enterprises. Now, let me tell you, you know this podcast is really taking off because the guests we're getting see, she has not only been featured on media outlets such as C-SPAN, but in 2012, Newsweek's The Daily Beast named her as one of the top 150 women who shake the world. So you can see why I was extremely excited to have the opportunity to interview her. And what I want you to do is not just listen, Take notes, ponder these ideas and implement them into your life. And then once you do that, or even before you do that, reach out. Again, we love to hear from you at The Alex Trimble Show. And again, you can find us on YouTube. You can type in Alex Trimble and find our YouTube channel, which we share so much more content than just the interviews and find a lot of career advancement advice. And you can also go to thealextrimbleshow.com forward slash blog and leave your thoughts and ideas there. Again, we love, love, love hearing hearing from all of you all across the world. It's actually really cool to say that we have all across the world because that means this podcast is really helping and improving people's lives. So thank you. Thank you. And before we get started, I am going to ask you one thing, uh, seriously, a, a favor. Um, please don't keep this podcast to yourself. I can't tell you how many emails I get, how many LinkedIn messages I get, how many Instagram messages I get of people telling me how much they love this podcast. And then I say, hey, have you shared it with your friends? And they say, oh, not yet. So please, 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 please don't just keep this information to yourself. Please share this with your friends and colleagues. And so we can help grow this channel and get more and more phenomenal speakers on here. So. I'm looking forward to jumping in this. I know you're looking forward to jumping in this. So let's jump into this. <laughs> Without any further ado, Admiral Sandy Stowes. Hello, everyone. This is Alex Trimble from The Alex Trimble Show. And today I have now a good friend of mine, Sandy, with us. How are you doing today, madam? Good morning, Alex. I'm doing great. Thank you. Well, thank you for being here today. <laughs> it's my honor. Well, you know, I, you and I had started having a conversation before we even got recording. So I, I apologize to everyone for, for not including you in that initial conversation, but I'm, I'm sure you're going to get a lot from what we're going to do moving forward. So just put your hand, sit on your hands. It's, it's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll get into this. Um, I want to ask you about leadership. Uh, 
you spent the, the beginning of your career on an icebreaker, okay? Um, and and when I got online, I've heard a little bit about icebreakers over the years, honestly, through the news. Um, I know how important they are, um, especially for our national security. Um, but I would like to ask you from your perspective, why is that the, working on those icebreakers, actually being the first woman to actually lead and command one? Like, the, Why is this so important to the United States' national security? Well, that's a great question. So I did have the advantage or the privilege of starting out my career way back in 1982 when I graduated from the Coast Guard Academy as a commissioned officer. I was assigned to the Polar Icebreaker Glacier out of Long Beach, California, Southern, Southern California there. Believe it or not, we sailed yes. to Antarctica and did a five-month deep freeze operation. And that's uh, an official title of the operation, like the military has titles for everything they do. But it's an annual recurring operation to sail down to Antarctica. The Coast Guard supports that mission with polar icebreakers down in Antarctica, which is the South Pole, by the way. That's where the penguins are. I know people <laughs> confuse the South Pole and the North Pole where the Arctic is and the polar bears are. <laughs> and the Antarctic is a continent. So there is a United States uh, base down there, McMurdo, and it was run by the Navy during the time that I started out on icebreakers. Now it's uh, run by the National Science Foundation. So it's a science mission down there, but it's also uh, to some extent a national security mission because what you're doing is you're, um, you have a continent there that's governed by a treaty. So maintaining the treaty so that everybody, that, that space remains available worldwide uh, as, an, as a global resource is really important. And uh, on the other side of the world is the North Pole. And where that gets to polar security is uh, that's where you see it in the news all the time today is you've got the Arctic opening up due to global warming and the ice cap is melting. So it's opening up more passages that, that can be navigated and more space that can be contended and uh, dis, um, dis, discussed between nations that all feel like they have um, a claim up in that space. So again, the national security provision that we're enforcing with our polar security cutters, that's what our new icebreakers will be called, is to be um, reinforcing and protecting national, U.S. national interests up there in the Arctic zones. So between the Arctic and the Antarctic, there are national security interests that have gone back uh, decades and decades. And that's a, a big, uh, one of the big Coast Guard missions is icebreaking and in so doing, providing national security up uh, in the polar and down in the Antarctic, in the Arctic and the Antarctic zones. See, even you get those confused. So, <laughs> <Yes>. uh, <laughs> so, so that was a bit of a leading question. Um, in my, in my, again, I try not to do any research for these. I want these to be organic conversations. But I did come across, you know, Russia has something like forty icebreakers. Um, China is is manufacturing many icebreakers. And the United States has two. And, and, and what it made me think, as of right now, right, or as the, the article that was posted um, last year, um, what it made me think is, you know, how as a leader, because I assume that they, this number differential is the same as you were, when you were leading it, um, as a leader, how do you inspire and motivate your, your crew, your, 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 your employees to, to work hard extreme, and, and, while they also know the competition right next door 
has double, triple, quadruple the resources. How, how do you keep people from just saying like, look, what, what are we even doing here? You know, that's a great question because sometimes people presume that to be successful, you have to be on top of the world. And quite frankly, the Coast Guard is the smallest of the armed forces uh, by a large margin. We're also um, not the biggest in our own department, which is the Department of Homeland Security. So we're always scrambling for resources. We're always under-resourced inside the United States government, but also when you look over at our competitors, when you look over at Russia and China and the icebreakers that they're um, building, and one might ask, China doesn't even have a nexus to the Arctic or the Antarctic, but yet they are there because they Mm -hmm. seek the opportunity. And those countries are both... uh, um, have a lot of icebreakers. I don't know the exact number because like you said, it's just t- dozens and dozens. We have two left. One that can only go to the Arctic because it's not strong enough to go to the Antarctic. That's the um, Healy and the other one's the Polar Star. And they're on, um, the Polar Star's on its last legs. And yeah, so how do you motivate a, a team or a crew or a workplace when you're the underdog? And history's replete with examples of that. I think there's a power that comes from being small but mighty. And I think it's a matter of your purpose. So I Mm. always go back to the purpose. And if you've got a purpose in your organization that is bigger than any individual in the organization that can unify, unite people around the common cause, as opposed to letting them divide and, um, and, and crumble, then that's where the power is, is uniting around a common purpose in the Coast Guard. We call that purpose to some extent a mission. So the mission of keeping America safe and secure and of doing the best we can, despite the fact that we might not have the same resources, it just means that we know we have to work harder, smarter, and better and um, look for opportunities in the adversity. And this doesn't just apply to an organization. It applies to individuals who might say, how do I get by in a workplace where everybody else around me, when I look left and right, looks smarter, faster, better than I, and my playing field isn't level. Well, maybe maybe no one's playing field's level. Maybe everybody needs to look at defining themselves a passion and a purpose and realizing that they have the power and they just need to focus that power into a purpose. Sure, if it's scattered, they're not going to be able to unite themselves in a in a in a personal mission to get ahead, they have to laser focus their energy on a purpose. So finding that purpose, whether you're an individual or an organization is key to success. Yeah. <laughs> it's a little bit funny. As I looked at, it, I was like, how do icebreakers break ice? Um, and it actually says what they do is they kind of focus in, right? They, they, the, 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 the whole, I'm not sure if that's the right word, the whole of the ship, like the, the front of the ship, you know, focuses on the ice and break, you know, kind of gets on top mm-hmm. of it and breaks it down. But like you said, if it was, you know, spread out everywhere, it wouldn't be as effective. Mm-hmm. You, you have to, you have to have a focus. I, I, I really love I that. I can example. even <laughs> refine it more. When you're up there um, on the icebreaker, you go up to a place high up on the mast, you climb up through a steel tube about 50 feet above the deck and you have another place where you drive the ship up there with ship controls and a wheel, a helm to steer it. And um, the ice is a great big expanse of white and you're backing up and ramming with the bow of the ship to get through the ice to crack it. And when you crack it, it creates a lead, what's called a lead. Sorry, my hands are too big on there. (laughs) It creates a lead through the ice and you have to focus in on that 
that crack and follow it because that's where the pressure has been released for you. So the analogy you can even carry forward is in your personal life, personal professional life, look for those places of least resistance, a crack, a lead that you can mm, follow yes. to achieve your goals. Don't just try to break through and back and ram um, against a hard yeah. concrete wall or a, or a hard piece of ice. Find where the softer spot, a crack in it and exploit the crack. Well, look, we're, we're going to play a game right now. We're, we're going to see who gives up first. Um, and you just talked about needing sometimes to back up and ram it, back up and ram it. And sometimes in life and in your career, you have to be able to willing to take a step back, reassess, and then go for it. You know? um, so we can keep this. Can, can you can keep, you keep moving? This. So, yeah, when you're backing and ramming in the ice, sometimes there are things called a pressure ridge. And that means the ice is been pushed together, the sheets of ice by the wind, and it's kind of stacked up where the wind has blown it together and created a, a deep, deep ridge, like 20 feet above the ice and then 20 feet down below the water. And you ram up against that and you can't get through it. So you back and ram and you back and ram and you fail. So you hit the ice and you shatter the whole ship shutters, which, you know, is, is difficult when you hit something and fail and you fall back and you have to reassess and look for that crack that you might find somewhere and try to um, navigate through it, but you're going to fail. And my um, analogy, and I've heard other people say this too, so I probably heard it years ago, is don't be afraid to fail, but fail forward. Or in the case of an icebreaker, fail while you're running in to try mm -hmm. to break through to yes. achieve your goals. So fail because you've been pushing against something, failing forward. Don't fail because the winds of change blow you back on your back and you lay mm -hmm. there helpless. <laughs> Look, this is my last one. If you got another one, you beat me. Um, <laughs> but you, you you said you as you hit the ice, it, the, the ship kind of shudders, it, it, it shakes. And, and sometimes in life, as we are pushing forward, we, we feel like it's painful. You know, trying to get to our goals doesn't feel good. But we have to remember, we're not broken. We, we, we may be feel a little shuddered, a little shaken, but we can keep pushing forward to reach our goals. Um, I, I have nothing else after that. So, <laughs> Well, I think the key is um, to also look at the um, end. You know, your life is a journey. You're breaking through this pressure ridge that I talked about. Then you're going to come up to icebergs. You've got to navigate around. You're in uncharted waters throughout your life. Uh, everybody is. It's not a um, path that's been snow plowed out in front of you. So um, you should look at the life's journey as where the um, satisfaction is when you do break mm -hmm. through that ice. And so many people are focused on the destination. Yeah. And this whole thing about appreciating life's journey, not the destination, comes from um, one of my favorite books, which is Don Quixote by Cervantes. And in it, Don Quixote talks about how um, it's the um, inn, not, it's the road, not the inn. You're a traveler on the road of life. And uh, that's where the, the obstacles and the great satisfaction of, a, of accomplishment comes, not sitting in an inn, eating your dinner in, in a comfort zone, you know? So I think the idea of being on an icebreaker, um, being cold, tired, wet, hungry, and scared yeah. <laughs> yes. is where you build the character that you need to succeed in life, not sitting at the destination at the inn, just sitting around fat, dumb, and happy eating yeah. bonbons, right? <laughs> <laughs> I, I think that's a, uh, that's a, I think that's a so, so weird kind of 
I'm having this thought the first time, so maybe this, hopefully this comes out right. I think there's some people who may think, I don't, I'm not interested in being super successful. I don't, I, I plan on working all my life. So I'm, you know what? I don't need to go hard. I, I'm okay. I don't want to sit on the porch eating bonbons all day. Um, I, I want to work. And I, I think that is that's probably not the way to look at it because even, even the people who are super successful, when they're successful, they don't end up sitting on the porch eating bonbons. Like right? you always hear about them doing more and more things because like you said, it's the journey, not the destination that's important. So maybe some people who are listening right now be, may be saying to themselves, you know what? I'm not interested in, in, in eating bomb. I'm not interested in, you know, like when I tell people I want to retire by 45, that doesn't mean I'm going to stop working. It means like I want to be able to just do what I want without having to focus on money. And so, you know, I want people right now to be thinking, listen to what, what Sandy's talking about in that, you know, it's the journey that's important. Push yourself to try new things and grow because that, that that's what you're going to be sitting back one day talking to, you know, your grandkids, your 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 friends, your, your neighbors, whoever it may be about what those challenging opportunities in life were, not how easy everything Absolutely. was. Absolutely. Know? And I always hear people talking about how do you find happiness along your life's journey? And I, um, I kind of... Um, I'm leery of happiness because it's so temporal. I really rather seek for deep satisfaction, uh, rewards, feeling accomplished, um, inner inner contentment and peace as opposed to um, extemporaneous happiness. So if you look more for the deeper meaning and you look for the daily challenges, and it doesn't mean you have to be going 100 miles an hour in a race car. You might just be out on a Sunday drive, but you're seeing new things, you're experiencing life, and you're growing from those experiences. You're not sitting home in, in the garage with a car. You're, you have it out. But you have your own pace. And people shouldn't be intimidated in the workplace by watching other people who have a different personality, type A personality. That would be me. <laughs> What's wrong with the other types of personalities that kind of slow me down? I married a guy without a type, person, type A personality. He's an engineer. He's methodical, slow, deliberate, and sensible. <laughs> and sometimes that's exactly what I need to slow me down. So if you're one of those people who, who is a little bit too fast, look for a real diversity and someone slower in the office to kind of check you. Or if you're one of those calm people, reach out to somebody who's overstimulated maybe and um, uh, trying too hard and, and help them focus. So it goes back to the purpose and the focus. And in a workplace, using um, your different personalities and, and mental mind constructs to, to help everybody succeed and help everyone find the path that's right for them and, uh, and be confident and comfortable in your personality, your path, your motivation. If it's not, um, you know, the same as the guy next to you in the cubicle, you know, don't be intimidated by that. Well, you know, you, I think you and I can keep going, bouncing this volleyball back together for the next, you know, three days, four days straight. So I, I'm going to, I'm going to, I wanted to ask you something. I, I'm looking in your background and I see this book back there and I know that's you on the cover. Um, I, I'd love to ask you about your book. Um, and let me just start with that. So how did you enjoy writing your book and what made you write this book? <laughs> okay, that's a great question. I'm happy to take that on because it goes back to the maybe the purpose. So I came into the Coast Guard in 1978 as a cadet uh, at the Coast Guard Academy in New London, Connecticut. And 
the importance of that time frame in our country is that in the 70s, you had Title IX and 72, which provided equal opportunity in education for women. You had the Equal Rights Amendment in 1973. And then in 1975, a smaller thing to most people, but big to me, was the Congress signed the National Defense Authorization Act of 1975, which took place in 76, opening the doors of all the service academies to women. So the service academies are um, the Naval Academy in Annapolis, the Air Force Academy in Colorado Springs, uh, the um, Army Military Academy in West Point, the Merchant Marine Academy in Kings Point, and the Coast Guard Academy in New London. All those were open to women for the first time. So I came in with a third class of women. And so I'd always been one of the first, once I graduated, I was the first woman to serve on this ship, that ship, first woman in this command position. And I started my um, career on the icebreakers, the polar icebreakers going from the Arctic to the Antarctic. So um, I spent my first six years in the Coast Guard at sea and my career path was a seagoing officer. And um, I didn't go to sea my whole 40 years because you'd come back ashore in between your sea duty tours. But my first um, staff assignment was working for the Secretary of Transportation, which was our service secretary at the time. So the Coast Guard moved from transportation to homeland security after 9-11. <laughs> um, mm-hmm. So working for Secretary Sam Skinner gave me a, a top-down view of the government. And I could see how the Coast Guard was a small piece of a much bigger picture. And I felt so privileged to be experiencing all these leadership lessons, learning from a service secretary as his military aide, seeing him every day, working with great people, having been six years at sea and learning all the leadership lessons that we've talked about. Kind of breaking ice is an analogy for um, oh, I'm s- breaking ice is an analogy for um, functioning in uh, life because you're going to be breaking through barriers um, personally and professionally. So I told one of my friends in Secretary Skinner's office, you know, Shane, I'm going to write a book on leadership someday to give back all that I've learned, all the Coast Guard's given to me. (laughs) And she looked at me and said, Sandy, you've got to call that book Breaking Ice and Breaking Glass. Uh (laughs) This was back in the early 19, this is back in 1990 that I'd already Mm -hmm. had the book planned in my mind to give back leadership lessons learned. And my girlfriend, Shane had already given me the title. So breaking ice and breaking glass is sitting right there. It's I held my, my copy. It it publishes on June 1st, but I've got my advanced reader copies and um, it's leadership lessons learned from 40 years of service in the coast guard. And it, it's just a, a wonderful way to give back. So as you said, you made a comment about, people sometimes want to retire at a certain age, not to do nothing, but to do something else. So when I retired from the Coast Guard after 40 years in 2018, I spent from then until now writing this book and I had to go back and I had to be really introspective because I found it's hard to write about your own life because to you, it's what you lived. So I'm like, well, that's not a story. That's, That's just something I did. And people said, no, that's a real story. So I had to go back and look at my 40 years and pull the stories out And then from those stories, extract the leadership lessons. So it's a book on character-centered leadership, not a memoir. So it's filled with leadership lessons learned, proven principles, models, and framework, frameworks of how people can find success in work and life. So I'm going to ask you a question um, that I have, for some reason, I I, I get it all the time. Um, So you are writing your first book right? You, you wrote your first book, has your stories in it. Um, but you're not 
John Maxwell. <laughs> you're not Elon Musk. You're not, you're not all those people. Um, I, I've heard so many people over the years as I talk about, you know, trying to, you know, f- go further in their career or or nominate themselves for awards and things like that. They they like to say, well, I don't have a story. I, I'm not the Elon. I'm not the secretary. Like, how did you? Did you have any? Um, did you have any turmoil, internal conflict in, in saying, well, you know what, my story is worth telling? And, and if you did, how, how did you overcome that conflict? That's a very good question, especially considering that I'm an introvert in my personality type. And that matters. I think everybody <laughs> listening should understand what their personality type is, because it does help you to understand and accept why you are the way you are. So I've always been one to more eschew the spotlight. So on top of making it hard anyway to write your own story, to think about how great you are, if you've got a story that anybody else would want to hear, when you're an introvert, you tend to be even more um, less willing rather than others maybe to say to tell that story. So I had to find a way to kind of like put myself in um, somebody else's shoes. And I found this useful. And in the Coast Guard, sometimes you are... um, required to write your own performance evaluations. So you sit down and type out <laughs> so you can give it to your boss. So it's easier for him or her to, mm-hmm. to make the um, reports get through their desk. So you write your own and you're like, Oh my gosh, how can I toot my own horn? So I would just kind of like z- zone in and say, okay, z- z- I'm looking down on this other person who did all this stuff. And I'm going to let my fingers go and start writing about all that this person I'm looking at did in this period of time. And I kind of use the same analogy when I was writing my book. I'm like, okay, let me look back 40 years to when I first started at the Academy, even what were some of the stories that I can kind of conjure up? And if they're important enough that I remember them 40 years later, (laughs) they must be significant. And, and when I linked those stories with leadership lessons, and when I did a continuum across 40 years, I realized there was something there that, um, would interest people. And it was a way of giving back because I um, had an obligation to share that experience. So the Coast Guard had paid my salary for 40 years. I felt like I had an obligation to give back so that other people, um, especially the younger and the middle grade ones could find their passion and purpose. And for executive level people, they could look back, like you said, and reach back and help the more junior people in their employee to achieve their objectives, to find their passion and purpose. Thank you for tuning in to The Alex Tremble Show. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsors. Federal open season is over, but you can apply for WEPA life insurance year-round. WEPA has been insuring the future of federal employees for more than 75 years. WEPA can be used as a supplement or a replacement for Fegley and can cost less. Last year, members who switched saved $375 on average. Apply for WEPA Group Term Life Insurance and see how much you could save by visiting waepa.org today. The results are in. Research has found that networking is one of the four skills absolutely required to successfully advance in your career. However, when asked, most government employees state that they don't network because they believe that networking is for extroverts and for people who care more about their own careers than the organization's mission. But what if there was a way to ethically network without looking self-absorbed and being a super extrovert? 
Well, there is. Alex Tremble has created a seven-week online networking course specifically designed to give ambitious leaders like yourself the skills needed to become a strategic networker. This course uses time-tested and research-backed strategies to help you identify, build, and maintain critical relationships with influential leaders. Visit alextremble.com slash courses slash networking to learn more about his networking model today. Use the discount code PODCASTFAMILY on the checkout screen to receive a 20% discount. Don't delay. Enroll today at alextremble.com slash courses slash networking. And now back to The Alex Tremble Show with your host, Alex Tremble. You, you, you know, you, you said a few things, and, and one of them I just want to really quickly um, pin in on is writing your own performance uh, appraisals, evaluations. Um, look, I have been doing that since I was 23 years old. Um, it just makes sense. And I, I, was, I was told by my mentors at that time, you know, look, no one knows your story as much as you do. You know, I, so everyone out here listening, if you can have the opportunity to write your own performance appraisal, do it. The leader has the ability to make edits to it, um, but at least you can make sure that you are telling all the aspects of your story that you believe that you've accomplished. And I, and I also love how you talked about um, this really wasn't about you, right? You, you, how can I help others? How can my story help others? And so it, it wasn't necessarily self-focused. And I mean, that, that's, that's what I'm hearing. Is that what I'm... Yes, but I will say, though, for the benefit of all your listeners, for whatever their um, stage and age might be, when I was younger, my focus was different. My locus of control was more internal. I was looking more at myself because it's normal when you're a young person coming out of college, coming out of high school, coming out of wherever you come out of, you're going to be focused more on your own immediate success and getting you know your own house in order. But it's very normal as you go through your life, your personal life and your professional life to come to inflection points. Everyone's gonna come to inflection points. To go back to our nautical analogy, it's a change in the course or the track line where you've got to make a choice on where you go next. Uh, And that's normal. And you should embrace those inflection points as opportunities to change your focus. So as I got more senior and I'd already done what I needed to do to get my, my own house in order. I wanted to help others <laughs> get their house in order. So it's very normal progression, but people starting out should be more focused on, on themselves and getting their career, their personal life grounded, build the foundation, and then you can start to build the blocks that help others that, you know, build a room for somebody else who needs, needs that space you know, put in more features on your life's house that are inclusive, that help bring others in. Well, and again, I'm not, obviously I don't want you to get all the secrets. Well, I want everyone here. If you're listening to this, um, you need to be buying her book on June 1st, June 1st, June 1st, where you're going to be getting it. Is it from Amazon or where are you going to find Anywhere it? Where you buy your books? Anybody can order it pre-order right now. So you can go on Amazon. You can go um, to your local bookstore and ask them to order it any way you want. So look, everyone, you have no excuse for not getting this book. You, you, if you're value, if you found value already from what you've heard thus far, this book is something, something you're going to want to read. And just as a little bit of a teaser, I'm not going to get too much into your book, but you know, what would be your favorite story or your favorite leadership lesson that you have in this book? If you, if you can pick a favorite. 
I'm just going to say one that comes to mind first. Um, I found, um, by the way, um, a piece of being successful for me. This might not work for everybody because um, you get a lot of questions in life. What's your favorite this? What do you think? And you can give it a lot of analysis and thought. You can say the first thing that comes to mind. So I tend to be more extemporaneous and more wear my heart on my sleeve. Or what you see is what you get. First story that comes to mind is way back when I was young. It was on that first icebreaker we talked about. And this also keeps the storyline going. So the Coast Guard Cutter Glacier, we're sailing to Antarctica. I'm a brand new commissioned officer. We call it an ensign in the Coast Guard. And I'm one of a crew of um, 200 people, 220, but only two women officers. And so definitely in the minority, like always. And my boss was expecting me to act more like the men he'd been working with. So I was... Um, my job was a deck watch officer. That means I was learning to drive the ship as opposed to being an engineer or something else. I was up on the bridge of the ship. That's the pilot house where you have the steering controls, the engine controls. You're looking out to make sure you don't hit any icebergs, <laughs> navigating and driving the ship. So right. you have to qualify as the person in charge of that whole operation where you've got about five or six people working for you. Uh, when the captain's off the bridge and the captain is the person in charge of the ship. So I had to be very highly qualified to be trusted to drive that ship by myself on behalf of the captain. And I was breaking in underneath qualified officers of the deck and I couldn't get my qualification. My boss kept um, withholding it. And finally, one day I asked him, I said, what do I need to do to get my underway qualification so I can succeed and, and be assigned my own watch standing rotation? And he said, well, he said, I just, you just need to stand on that bridge. You're too quiet. You've got to stand on that bridge like John Wayne with a six gun in each hand barking orders. And for those younger people in the audience who don't know who John Wayne was, he was a Western hero. And I, I, I say that because young people haven't heard of John Wayne. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and he was a guy who always had a six gun in each hand. Barking Orr is a great, big, impressive guy. So I tried to be John Wayne because my boss had told me I couldn't qualify until I was John Wayne. Well, imagine me being John Wayne. Imagine it. And I uh, failed in that endeavor to be John Wayne. But... I realized I had a revelation and I said, okay, I've got to be confident in who I am and I've got to speak up for myself. And I love it. You interviewed uh, Dr. Linda Singh recent, recently, who was a national guardsman. And she said something like that. She had to learn how to speak up for herself. I just looked down cause I made a note on that. And I said, you know, that resonates with me because I had to learn to speak up for myself and to be true to myself and believe in myself. And it wasn't until I started to believe in myself that I could exude the confidence. It wasn't a six gun in each hand, <laughs> but it was the confidence I needed for my boss to look at me and say, okay, she, she's different. She's a woman. She's a little quieter. She's asking people to do things, not barking orders, but she's getting the job done. And I got my qualification. But that's something that was an inflection point for me that um, I think is important to know. People have to be confident in who they are or they're not going to be able to succeed. They're not going to be able to establish a passion and purpose. Or if they can, they're not going to be able to achieve it if they don't have the confidence to speak up for themselves and believe in themselves. Well, you are a self-proclaimed introvert. You, you've mentioned that multiple times today. Um, so I'm starting to believe you. Um, <laughs> <laughs> how, 
how is it interesting? You, you sort of story about how you were more reserved than what you, your supervisor felt that you need to be. You need to be John Wayne barking orders, but you found a different way to do it. Um, what would you suggest? Like, how, how do you go about influencing and or even let's just say let's say networking first how do you go by about networking building those strategic relationships if you don't necessarily feel like you're that extrovert that can do that how, how do you how do you go about building i think it's a really good question because it's, it's going to give me a chance to talk about something um, that's a little bit maybe different a different perspective than you might hear so people might say well everybody in the workplace should bow to me come and focus on me and help me succeed and I'm like, you know what? No, you have to adapt. So I'll give you here a little um, leadership lesson. One of my principles for success is if you want to succeed, you have to anticipate. So look over the horizon at what's coming next. There's always an uncharted waters, an iceberg over the horizon. You have to navigate around. You have to adapt, adapt, adjust, and be agile. And that's all kind of personal activity. Yes, there should be people reaching out their hand, reaching back and pulling you forward and mentoring you, being an ally to you, coaching you. But you really have to take it on yourself to adapt yourself. So yeah, I'm an introvert. That means I need to recharge after a session like this, that I love interacting with a, gr a group, uh, a podcast or a crowd, but it drains me. Whereas if you're an extrovert, it fills you up. And so I've learned to adapt my personality and my, my behaviors to succeed in the field I've chosen, which requires a lot of public engagement because I love my job. I love what I do. And I just find the time to decompress afterwards and to recharge myself. And so you have to know who you are and you have to test and try yourself to understand who you are and what you need to do to become who you want to be. Nobody else is gonna take you from where you are to where you wanna be, even though it's all about that now in the coaching world, get the right coach or mentor and they'll take you where you wanna be. No, it's on you. And if you abdicate that responsibility because you've been told that you they're, they owe it to you because you're disadvantaged or you've been told you're underprivileged or you've been told you're a woman and minority and you need an ally. Yeah, that sounds great. And it's a, it's good. And everyone should be doing that, reaching out to help others, but it's all on you at the end of the day to create your own fate. Thank you for, thank you for saying all of that. I, <laughs> you said so many things. Um, you, you talked about, you said testing, um, which means action, right? You have to do something. You to, once you do it, you can figure out if it works or if it doesn't work, if you like it, you don't like it. But until you do it, it you don't know. You don't really know. I love that you talk about that. You talked about accountability. Um, it's up to you. Um, I, I tell people right now, like, I, I'm in complete agreement with you. Everyone wants to be like, oh, they owe me. This organization should be promoting me or should be taking me to training. Well, what if they don't? right? Are you just going to sit there for the rest of your life because they didn't invest in you? No, you you figured out, you take action, it's your life. I love it. You talked about um, understanding yourself. Um, I, you know, so what I prescribe, I created this, what's called the C4 strategic networking model, where it talks about internal, you know, first is a mindset change, understanding um, that networking and influencing is not bad. Then it's um, internal clarity, understanding yourself, then external clarity, then um, behavior change. But 
all that we all want to talk about, oh, here's a networking strategy. You need to say this or say that or dress like this. All that doesn't matter if you don't understand yourself and how you operate. You know, surprisingly enough, I'll, I'll say this and I'll be quiet, Sandy. Um, I Everyone thinks I'm this introvert. I tell you, I, I speak to not as big as crowds as you. Like, you know, I'll speak to you know, 400, 500 people and I'm laughing, I'm joking, I'm having a great time. When I'm done, I go home and veg, right? Because I am drained after each one of those, 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 those opportunities. But I also know I love speaking. I love helping. So I've had to adapt. I plan for that stuff. So I, I, just, I love everything you said. <laughs> I said a lot of that to encourage people who might feel like they're the quiet one and that they'll never be as successful as the bolder, louder, more, you know, less inhibited person. No, you can be equally or more successful and you just have to um, look inside and find your strengths. And I have a <laughs> um, leadership lessons. I have a little talk that's 10 leadership lessons from the Kung Fu Panda movie, <laughs> which there's so many leadership lessons in that movie. It's amazing. But Poe, the big fat panda and yeah. he defeats the muscular uh, snow leopard, um, the evil, you know, antagonist because of all the things that people look at him and think are disadvantages, like being too fat and everything. And it all comes back as strengths. But he had to look within. And they, at the um, end of the movie, they pull down a magic scroll from the top of the palace that's supposed to tell this fat panda Poe all the secrets to succeeding against the antagonist, the foe. And instead, when he unrolls the scroll that's supposed to have the wise words of success, it's his own fat panda face and mirrored paper, which means you look within to find the strengths that God has given you that are in there. But when's the last time you looked and tried to pull them out? And this is where mentors can really help. Reaching back the hand, like you said, reaching out instead of just looking back, reaching back and telling somebody and tell the person who's not the top performer in your office or the peer who's not the top performer, but they do something good, but it's not rising to the award level. Tell them, hey, you did a great job there. Wow, you've got talent. And then the next week they win the award because you've given them this thing that just fills them with confidence. Uh, oh, she noticed that I did this and even thought it was good. And the person hadn't thought their own work was good, right? Because they were too self-effacing to, to say, well, this is a great project that I just finished. Mm -hmm. And no one else noticed because they just kind of are too busy to say anything. Take the time, stop, look left and right, find somebody doing something good and give them a little compliment. Five years later, they'll write you an email and say, that thing you said to me, that compliment you gave me, changed my life. And I just want to let you know that. And you're like, where'd this email come from? I don't even remember this person, but you said something that day that changed their yeah. life. Look, I, I know we're starting to run, run up against our time and uh, I've never done a lightning round before, but there's two questions I really want to ask you before we start wrapping up. <laughs> One is, you know, I, 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 you and I are, are in complete alignment. We are, we are kinfolk uh, when we talk about strengths and finding your strengths. What do you say to those people who are like, no, I need to focus on my weaknesses. I want to be a well-rounded leader. So I got to focus on my weaknesses. What do you say to those people? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I have to say, I, I have this discussion a lot with my nieces and nephews, even, and young people. And I pose the question, just like you did. 
everyone, all of us have strengths and we all have weaknesses. What's the best way to succeed? Do you focus on your strengths and taking them forward? Or do you spend time on trying to shore up as a military term to um, correct all your weaknesses? My philosophy, and I'm, this is neither right nor wrong. It's my thought. Sometimes I know I'm right, <laughs> but in this particular case, it's um, neither right nor wrong. Um, I believe that focusing on exploiting or taking to the next level, your strengths is the way to succeed. I know I've got a number of weaknesses. Oh my gosh, I would waste my time if I spent it trying to fix them because they're there. The key is to recognize the weaknesses. I even would offer, let other people know you've got those weaknesses. Mm -hmm. When I got a little more wise and more senior and I was leading people, mm -hmm. when I was first reporting to a job, I would tell them, hey, I think these are where my weaknesses are. I just want you guys to know because I need you to fill in where I'm weak Here's my strengths. I'm going to work on them to help move this organization forward. You guys realize my weaknesses. One of them being sometimes I get frustrated and just calm me down or, or I have a blind spot here. IT, we talked about that earlier. Oh my God. So then people could fill in because I'd been honest and forthright with them. And they're like, okay, we can approach Admiral Stowe's or Captain Stowe's, whatever it was at the time. We're going to fill in for her weaknesses while she forges ahead with her strengths. And we're going to give her, the um, feedback she needs to help us all succeed. So the last question, really quickly, really, really quickly. Um, I just started a new um, opportunity. So in addition to my coaching and my training and my podcast, and I guess all the stuff I got going on, um, I was now just asked to serve as the chief culture officer um, for the second largest conservation corps in the country, which I'm like, super excited about. Um, would you have any advice for me? Congratulations, Alex. I think that's an awesome move for you. I read it on LinkedIn and uh, sent a little comment out. What a smart move uh, for them to hire you on as the chief cultural officer. So the way to succeed in my mind, once again, you ask 10 people, you have 10 different pieces of advice, but they're all going to help you to do a better job is to look at where your organization is right now and what they're doing and find in that where you can create a single focused point of light purpose that will unite them and strengthen them and help them all to achieve that purpose, help your organization to achieve that purpose, help them each to achieve their individual best. And, um, and, and you will take up all the space and you won't have any room for those divisions that happen in a workplace where people don't have a purpose. So therefore they snipe and they argue and they divide each other based on the newest yeah. political thing. They're supposed to be dividing us all. So unite people on a common purpose that's noble and that's bigger than any of them. And that's where you strengthen the organization. Well, thank you so much, Sandy, for all the time you spent with us today. I, I, I want to really quickly open the floor back to you. Is, is there any final thoughts, ideas, anything you'd like to share with everyone who's listening and watching today? You know, just to sum up this kind of conversation we've had, the um, starting out with the navigation scenario of breaking ice and breaking glass. Mm -hmm. In my case, the book back here, Breaking Ice and Breaking Glass, Leading in Uncharted Waters. I think I'd leave everybody with you're gonna all face uncharted waters and you're gonna be cold, wet, hungry, tired, and scared. And it's yeah. not gonna get any better if you hunker down. The key is to break through, break through that jam in your life, whatever it might be, 
boldly face that jam, put the power on and hit it. And look for the soft spots that you can get through. Don't quit. I hate to see mm -hmm. talented people mm -hmm. quit because they um, find resistance. So that's what I would offer is the key to success is hard work and perseverance to crack through that ice, come out on the other side and have navigated those uncharted waters. Look, we could not have ended this conversation with any better of advice. Thank you so much, Sandy, for the time that you spent with us today. Uh, I can honestly say that I've learned so much and I know that everyone who's watching and listening has learned. And as Sandy has been talking about today, um, and she's, she took, took my, she took my role. Um, don't just look back, reach back. If you found anything of value during this conversation, don't keep it to yourself. Always look back and see if there's anyone else who could value, who could benefit from the valuable information that was shared and share it with them. It, whether it be a friend, a, a parent, a, a colleague, a sister, a brother, you know, make sure that you are providing them with the best um, advice that they can have. Cause if it helped you, I know it can help them. Hey, you know, this is Alex Trumbull from the Alex Trumbull Show. I just want to thank everyone again for being here. Um, if you're listening to this via podcast, I do want to encourage you to take a look at the YouTube page, uh, youtube.com forward slash Alex Trumbull, where you'll be able to watch Sandra in all of her glory and uh, show us with her hands how icebreakers go through ice. It's going to be fun. I promise you. So, <laughs> um, I will end with saying thank you everyone for being here, being with us today. Um, and as always, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving. Bye, Sandy. Thank you, Alex. Bye. Thanks for listening. Find us online at thealextrembleshow.com and be sure to share what you've learned with at least one other person today. Check back on the first and third Wednesday of each month for new episodes. Until next time, stay strong, stay positive, and definitely stay moving. <laughs>